So today we'll uh, start with chapter three of First uh, Thessalonians, and we will uh, look at three uh, parts of chapter three. Uh, the first part is from verses one through five, where we uh, read about Paul's uh, burden and <coughs> Paul sending Timothy on a mission uh, to Thessalonica church. And the second part is from six to nine, where Timothy is bringing back the report and Paul is uh, responding to uh, Timothy's report. And the last part is the verses 10 to 13, where we read about Paul's prayer and what we can learn from Paul's uh, prayer life. So <clears throat> we'll begin by reading from verses uh, one through five, if someone can read. Yeah. Therefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother, and a minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you uh, concerning your faith. Verse 3, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourself know that we are appointed thereunto. Verse 4, for verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. Verse 5, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the temper, tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. So what do you think was Paul's main concern? about the church or why did he send Timothy to know their spiritual condition to know their spiritual condition yeah so we know that Paul was not in Thessalonica but he was concerned about what was happening uh, in Thessalonica church uh, in terms of their uh, spiritual status okay so <clears throat> we see Paul uh, had a longing as we read in verse one he said wherefore when we could no longer forbear or wherefore uh, he could not forbear or he was anxious uh, to see or check on the welfare of the uh, believers. So we know from chapter two that he wanted to go back to uh, Thessalonica, but he was hindered by Satan or he was hindered by the uh, opposition that he was expecting from the Jewish people. So since he could not go, uh, we see that uh, he sends uh, Timothy to uh, go back to the believers and to inquire about their spiritual condition to see uh, how they are doing. <clears throat> and we see that Paul uh, chose uh, Timothy. Uh, so obviously he had faith uh, in Timothy uh, that uh, he would be a person who could be sent. Uh, he could be someone who could be trusted. Okay, so uh, if you go back to Philippians, we see that Paul had previously uh, gone to uh, Philippi church. And uh, Paul writes uh, in Philippians chapter 2, 19 through 22, he says, uh, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort uh, when I know your state. So it's a very similar condition here. Uh, he wants to inquire about the state of Thessalonica church. And he knows that he can trust uh, Timothy because he has already sent 
uh, Timothy on a similar mission. And here he says, I have no man like-minded uh, who will naturally care for your state. So that was the respect that Paul had for Timothy. Uh, he said, uh, Timothy is a man who's like-minded, uh, who has the same uh, thinking, who has the same uh, burden. And he goes on to say, for all seek their own, uh, not the things which are of Christ. So he's speaking about his uh, spiritual condition. Uh, but I know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he had served me with me uh, in the gospel. So there was a reason why Paul was going to send uh, Timothy. Uh, he had confidence uh, in Timothy being able to do the work. And he had also test, uh, confidence uh, in Timothy's uh, testimony. And he had evidence that uh, he would do the work. So from this, uh, we learned that anytime we are trying to delegate uh, the Lord's work, or anytime we are trying to delegate the ministry to someone, uh, we should not take it uh, lightly. Uh, it is something that should be done uh, with much prayer and with God's guidance. And we should have the confidence that whatever uh, we are delegating uh, will be done well. So oftentimes we see in the world that uh, when parents are church leaders, uh, they would simply pass it on to their children, uh, just like a king would pass on the throne to his sons. Uh, but that should not be the case uh, in a church uh, setting. Uh, each one should be evaluated uh, independently uh, based on their calling and based on their testimony and so on. So that is what Paul is doing here. And that is what we learn. And we read about uh, Athens uh, in verse one. So Paul, uh, Paul is currently <laughs> in, uh, uh, in Athens and that's where uh, he's writing the letter from. And he knows that once Timothy is gone, he'll be alone. And we read about a similar uh, situation in Acts 17, uh, when Paul goes uh, initially to Athens, uh, when he's running away from uh, Thessalonica to Berea and from Berea to Athens. So Paul is on the run uh, due to opposition that he faces. And when he reaches uh, Athens, as we saw in the book of Acts, uh, Paul was uh, alone for a season uh, in a city which was full of uh, idol worship. And Timothy and Silas were expected to join him uh, later. So uh, if you go back to the book of Acts 17, we saw that Paul was very distressed uh, when he looked at the condition uh, at Athens, and when he start, looked at all the idol worship and so on, uh, he started preaching Christ, and uh, he was accused of being a babbler and bringing a foreign god to Athens. Uh, but uh, regardless of that, uh, he continued the work of the Lord, and we know that some were uh, saved and some were curious about what Paul was saying. So again, we learned that even though we might be alone uh, in situations where everything around us may be very ungodly, it might be very unchristian, but even in those conditions, uh, just like Paul was able to stand up for the Lord, uh, we also need to stand up uh, for the Lord and we should continue the work uh, that the Lord has given us. And in verse two, we see that uh, uh, Paul gives some lofty titles to Timothy. Uh, so we know that Timothy was mentored by Paul. Uh, he treated him as a son uh, initially uh, when he brought him into the ministry. 
but here we see that Timothy has matured uh, in his faith. Uh, he, uh, Paul has taught him well, and Paul has discipled him well, that today he could call him, uh, he's a brother, he's a minister of God, and he's a fellow laborer, or he's a co-worker, uh, uh, specifically in the gospel of Christ, uh, which was, uh, which is a ministry that was given to Paul, and he was going to share that with Timothy. And we read about co-laborers uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, verse 6 through 9. Uh, it says, uh, we are laborers uh, together with God. So here Paul's talking about uh, how the work is done, how the Lord's work is done. Uh, he says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So we see that uh, there are three uh, forces at work. <laughs> uh, starting the work then someone else is coming and doing the watering. But ultimately, it is the work of the Lord. Uh, he is the one who is blessing the work and giving the increase. So Paul's uh, point there is that uh, we are working together with the Lord. Uh, so the same thing should be true uh, in a church uh, setting. Uh, we cannot do the Lord's work alone. Uh, we need to work with others. <laughs> ultimately, uh, it is the Lord who will bless the work. But we need to recognize that uh, we cannot do the Lord's work uh, alone. So we should never try to do things uh, independently, but we should do it uh, as a co-laborer with others whom the Lord has appointed uh, for different ministries. So Timothy's mission, as we read in verse 2, uh, so the context for that uh, is the Thessalonica church uh, was under persecution so we can say that their faith was being tested uh, due to the persecution that they were facing. And we know that Paul himself uh, ran away from uh, Thessalonica because of the danger uh, to his life from Jewish people. But the Thessalonica believers, uh, they were the local believers, so they had to stay there, uh, but they were facing uh, persecution. And since uh, they were uh, fairly new believers, uh, many of them, so they could benefit uh, from the council uh, of mature believers. So that is the context uh, for sending back Timothy. Uh, he is going back to a place where Christians uh, are being uh, persecuted. And when we see uh, conditions like that, uh, obviously uh, if we send someone there, uh, they would be encouraged uh, in their faith. Uh, they would be strengthened uh, in their walk. So Timothy's mission is uh, essentially to go back to these conditions, uh, to know how they are doing in their faith. Uh, when their faith is under fire, are they still standing strong or they are, being, uh, they are walking away from their faith or they are giving up their faith uh, under persecution? And he's also going there to encourage them and to comfort them and to uh, strengthen them in their faith. So that is the role of mature believers. So in any church or in any community or any congregation, uh, we would see believers who are mature and we would see believers who are weak. And God has designed it that way. And it is the responsibility of mature believers to inquire about the faith of those who are weak and also to strengthen them and also to comfort them because uh, everyone uh, faces uh, persecutions uh, in different ways. Uh, we all face challenges in life in different ways. Uh, 
uh, but the Lord has kept uh, mature believers uh, to play that role. So that's an important role, not just uh, in the context of persecution, but also in the context of how the church uh, is run on a daily basis. So the message that Paul and Timothy give uh, to the church uh, is fairly simple. Uh, all they are saying is that the trials and afflictions uh, that they are going through uh, are part of believer's life. So just because uh, you become a Christian, as we always say, uh, your life is not going to be a bed of roses. And we see that also in the life of Lord Jesus Christ, uh, after he took baptism, uh, that is when he went into the wilderness and there he was tempted uh, by Satan. And in the same way, in the life of believers, we see that uh, they face many afflictions, many trials, but that is part of believers' life. So if you don't uh, teach that, then believers uh, will be confused uh, when they are faced with difficult uh, situations or they may question their faith because we always say that God is a God of love. God is a God of blessing. And when we are faced with trials, uh, if we don't have the balanced uh, teaching, uh, we may start questioning our faith. We may start questioning our salvation. We may start questioning our relationship with the Lord. And we may even start questioning whether God is real because he's supposed to be a God of love. So that is their main message, that even though we want to sympathize with their trials, uh, even though we want to comfort them during their trials, but at the same time, we want to teach them uh, from God's word uh, so that they have the right uh, perspective. And in verse five, uh, it's a similar thought where we already talked about this, uh, where uh, Paul's main concern is that since the church is uh, new and the believers are young, uh, he wants to make sure that they don't uh, become weary and they don't become weak uh, in their faith. And uh, the other concern that he has is that uh, he, he has labored with them for a few weeks. And if they depart from their faith uh, during times of trial, uh, then his labor would be in vain. So obviously, uh, the reason he's laboring among them or the reason uh, he preached the gospel to them is that they should be saved and they should continue to grow in the Lord. But if that doesn't happen uh, during times of persecution, then obviously uh, he would think that the time that he has spent there uh, might have been wasted. So we see the two things here. Uh, firstly, Paul has concern uh, for the believers that he has left behind. So even though Paul is maturing in his faith, uh, even though he's continuing to become more effective, his work is expanding and he's continuing uh, his missionary journeys and so on. Uh, but we see that he always has a concern and a love uh, for the believers that he has left behind or the churches that he has established uh, over time. So that's a great uh, quality that Paul has that we also saw in chapter two. So here's the question for you. Uh, can our labor for the Lord be in vain? Can the ministry that we are doing, could it be in vain? Because that is one of Paul's uh, concern or what we can say, anxiety or fear that he has, that our labor could be in vain. I think our labor in, in, in the sight of God will yeah. not go waste. Uh, yeah. But sometimes... Uh, we may not get the whatever the expectation is from the other people. 
Yeah. So uh, our labor would be in vain, uh, as brother said, if you're not doing it uh, from God's uh, perspective. So we might be laboring a lot in different ways. Uh, we might be engaged in ministry in different ways. But if you're not doing it according to God's plan, and if you're not doing it uh, with God's power, even as we saw, uh, he is a co-laborer with us. But uh, if the work that we are doing is not part of God's plan, then obviously uh, he's not going to co-labor with us because he did not sanction it. He did not approve it. So we won't see God's blessing on that work. And that labor would be in vain. And uh, in the context of this chapter, Paul is more concerned uh, about the external forces uh, that try to dilute our faith, the challenges that we face that we face, or it could be temptations uh, that we face uh, from Satan, as we read in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion, and obviously he's not seeking to devour the sinners uh, as a roaring lion. He's looking for believers uh, so that uh, he can make them weak uh, in their faith or take them away from the Lord. And we are frequently warned about false teachers and prophets uh, who can take us uh, away from the Lord through false teachings, or they can dilute our faith uh, even after we come to the Lord. So those are warnings that are given to us. And Paul is concerned in this case about how persecution can take uh, people away from the Lord. And in our context, it could be uh, any challenge that we face that can take us away from the Lord. But, uh, but when we read the scriptures, we see that uh, as Paul and Timothy, as they are trying to communicate uh, to the Thessalonica church, uh, the sufferings uh, that we go through in this life, uh, the trials and tribulations or the persecution that we face uh, is all part of God's calling, right? So uh, we have many references uh, to support that. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ uh, himself said, uh, in this world, uh, we will have tribulations, right? But he also said uh, he has conquered uh, everything, so he is able to give us victory. And in 2 Timothy, Paul says, uh, all that live a godly life uh, will suffer uh, persecution. And again, in Philippians uh, 1.29, he says, for to you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, uh, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. And that was the mission that was given to Paul in Acts chapter 9, when God called him. Uh, he said uh, he would not only take the gospel uh, to different nations, but he will also suffer uh, for the Lord uh, in doing that. And we see that is true in Paul's life. And we can say that it will also be true in our life. Uh, if we are living out our faith uh, in this world, we can expect uh, tribulations, we can expect uh, persecutions, we can expect uh, different types of trials, uh, just like the Thessalonica church. But we also see that suffering uh, is also a way uh, to blessing in our life. So we see that in Romans uh, chapter five, that it is the tribulation uh, that builds uh, our character and again, in Romans uh, chapter 8, it says, if we suffer with him, uh, we will also be uh, glorified. And in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10, it says, 
may the God of all praise, who has called us to his eternal glory, uh, after you have suffered a while, uh, perfect, establish, uh, strengthen, and settle you. So we see that the sufferings that the church was facing in Thessalonica, uh, that was part of God's uh, calling, that was part of God's plan. And it is uh, through that persecution, uh, it is through that suffering that they were going to experience uh, uh, more grace from God and also more blessing from God. And so we face uh, testing in different ways and the testings that we go through, uh, it will expose our weakness and it will also reveal uh, the quality of our faith. So we know about the people of Israel, they were wandering for a long time uh, in the wilderness and they had to go through many trials. And the reason they went through trials is that the Lord was uh, testing the quality of their faith. And we see that they often murmured and often they showed a uh, lack of faith. And the testing will also purify us. Uh, it will make us more mature as we saw, it will build our character uh, it will also uh, give us the experience uh, so that we can actually counsel others. So Paul and Timothy, they were able to uh, counsel the people in Thessalonica because Paul himself had gone through many persecutions and he knew that the Lord will always uh, stand by him in all situations. And as you saw last week, uh, the trials that we go through, uh, it also qualifies us for greater blessings or for different rewards that the Lord has kept for us. And at the end of the day, uh, it is the word of God that will keep us uh, grounded uh, when we are facing uh, different storms and different uh, challenges. And that is why it was important for Paul uh, to send Timothy so that uh, they could be encouraged uh, through the word of God they could be encouraged uh, from the insights that Paul had so that they would continue to stand strong uh, in their faith. So the only way we can fight uh, the different situations in life uh, is that if you are grounded in the word of God, uh, if you are grounded in the promises of God, uh, then no matter what storms we face, uh, as, as we read in uh, the book of Matthew, where Paul Lord talks about the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we see that the house that is built on a sure foundation uh, that will stand. And the foundation is nothing but the word of God. So that's why the word of God is very important in our life. Paul himself yeah. uh, had uh, many challenges and uh, we know that he had uh, others helping him like uh, yeah. Ananias yeah. came to him at, uh, at, the, at the street called Straight and also yeah. uh, Barnabas was there yeah. helping yeah. him, encouraging him, being with him. So when others were rejecting him, he was there to tell him about the change that he has witnessed in Paul himself. So we, whenever there is a, a situation where you know we are facing, yeah. it is all good for others to help in this matter to encourage and to comfort yes that's yes so that's why a local church is very important to have a good local church so that uh, when we are going through challenges they can pray for us and they can 
exhort us, they can comfort us, and they can uh, strengthen us. And as uncle said, Paul himself went through many challenges, but he always had a group of believers uh, uplifting him. And he was doing the same now for the Thessalonica church. And if you don't have good fellowship, then it is very easy to go astray uh, during times of challenges because there is no source of strength. And of course, we can always go to the Lord, always, even as David uh, encouraged himself in the Lord. But at the same time, it is part of God's plan to uh, have a local church. And one of the role it plays uh, is to comfort us and to give us the right counsel. Yeah. Okay, so if Paul had not sent Timothy, then it's quite possible that the church might have gotten weaker. So we can say that Paul played an important role in intervening at the right time. So in the same way, uh, it is our responsibility to intervene at the right time. Uh, if we see a situation or if we see any weakness uh, within a church or within any other setting, uh, just like Paul is able to send Timothy, we should be able to send the right counsel. So we'll get to the second part where Paul, is, uh, Paul has already sent Timothy with a mission and a message. And Timothy is going to come back uh, to Paul and report on what he found or what was his experience. So maybe someone can read uh, six to nine. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How yeah. can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Yeah. So what was Timothy's impression of the Thessalonica church or what did he find on his visit? Did you find the church failing or they were doing well or? Looks like he, he gave a good report, brother. Good report, yeah. So he gave a good report. So which was, that is why Paul was very excited. He was very happy. And one of the lessons that we learn uh, from this chapter, from the life of Paul, life of Timothy and so on, that we need to inquire about the spiritual life of other believers. So oftentimes, we, uh, when we are talking, we inquire about different things. We may inquire about their uh, visa status. We may inquire about what they ate, how was their work, and so on. But uh, at least one thing that we can take away from this uh, chapter uh, is that we also need to inquire about how people are doing spiritually and how they are overcoming uh, challenges in their life and how their walk uh, with the Lord is. And that was Paul's uh, primary concern uh, in this chapter and something that we can also learn. So uh, Timothy's report is very positive. Uh, he says that the believers are remaining true uh, to Paul's teaching on faith and love. And Paul always uh, emphasized that love and faith uh, should go together. And the love should be uh, works of love that follow faith. And uh, Timothy is saying that the Thessalonica church uh, is continuing the work of faith and charity. And he also says, uh, just like Paul is uh, very eager to know 
about what's happening with the believers. Uh, Timothy says that they also have fond memories of Paul. And obviously they're also very eager to maybe connect with Paul at some point. So it's not that they have forgotten Paul. Uh, they also have good memories of Paul and they also desire to be reunited with Paul. So obviously Paul is uh, very happy when he gets this report uh, because they also share the same love that he has for them. Uh, they also reciprocate the same concern <laughs> and the same love. So we see that Paul is uh, comforted, he is encouraged by the news, and he also rejoices uh, in their growing faith, uh, which was his main reason for sending Timothy. Uh, he is happy to know that they are standing strong in their faith, and indeed they are growing in their faith. And he uses that expression, for now we live, uh, which captures uh, the sentiment that he has. Uh, he is so excited that he is uh, he was feeling maybe discouraged or uh, somehow down in his spirit. But when he hears this news, uh, he says, but now we live uh, if you stand fast in the Lord. So we see that all of his excitement uh, is connected to their spiritual status. So when he hears the news that they are doing well in the Lord, uh, he is also very uplifted. So obviously the question for us is, uh, do we also rejoice uh, when we see other believers uh, growing spiritually or we, when we see other believers uh, being blessed uh, by the Lord or do we feel jealous or do we covet or do we uh, have other negative uh, emotions or negative uh, feelings? But here Paul is teaching us that if others are growing in the Lord, uh, that should be a reason for rejoicing. Uh, especially those that we have mentored or those that we have brought to the Lord. Uh, if they continue to grow, if they even exceed us, uh, that's even better, right? So for teachers, uh, it's always good to see their students uh, doing well. And oftentimes the students will do even better than the teachers uh, in the real world. And that brings a great joy to the teachers. They don't feel jealous or they don't feel that they have exceeded uh, what I have taught them or what I have trained them for. They always want to see them to be better. And the same thing is true with parents. Uh, parents always want their children to do even better than them. And they don't feel jealous or they don't covet. And the same thing should be true uh, within a church setting uh, among body of believers that we should be happy. Uh, we should be excited when others are growing in the Lord. And we can finish off with uh, verse 10 through 13, which is uh, where we see Paul's uh, prayer uh, for the, and he asks for a few specific things. Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God, Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Okay, so we see many uh, prayers of Paul uh, in the different uh, episodes, and that could be a study in itself. But for now, we'll just focus on 10 through 13, where... Uh, Paul has some specific uh, requests 
Uh, firstly, that uh, he should be able to meet uh, the Thessalonica church in, per in person. And obviously he was hindered uh, by Satan to make a visit, but at some point he wants to meet them. And that prayer was actually answered in Acts chapter 20. When he goes back, he is able to reconnect uh, with them. And he wants to minister uh, to their spiritual needs for whatever is lacking. And he is able to do that by sending uh, Timothy to teach them, to exhort them, and to encourage them. And his third uh, request is that they may continue to increase and abound in love uh, towards one another and also towards everyone. So he knows that there is always already love uh, in that church, uh, as, he, as Timothy mentioned. But when he's praying, he's saying that uh, it should increase uh, even more uh, in their midst. So Paul's desire is that this church uh, should be a model church. Uh, it should be an excellent church. So even though there is love, he says they should increase even more, uh, not only to those within the church, but also to everyone. And thirdly, next he focuses on to be blameless uh, in holiness. And that is a theme that he picks up uh, in chapter four in great uh, detail. So we'll get to that. So in Bible, we uh, see two types of holiness. One is the positional holiness. Uh, that is the holiness or justification that we receive uh, at salvation, uh, which makes us worthy uh, to have communion with God who is holy. So that's the positional holiness by simply accepting Lord Jesus Christ uh, as our personal savior. Uh, even as we heard on Sunday during worship service, uh, that is the imputed righteousness, or we can say positional holiness. But the second part is uh, the practical holiness, which our sanctification that Paul picks up in chapter four, uh, which has to be a daily uh, discipline uh, where we die to self, we die to things of this world, so that we can live a holy life. So th that's a prayer request that Paul had, which is very much uh, focused on their spiritual growth. But there is also a personal request, but uh, everything else is more for their benefit. And uh, so one thing that we get from his prayer is that there is always uh, room for growth. Uh, we may think that we are mature and everything is going good, but Paul uh, is... Uh, able to point back that uh, even though they are doing well, which he commends uh, in different places, uh, as we read in chapter one and verse three, uh, where he talks about the work of faith, uh, the labor of love, and the patience of hope. And in verse seven of chapter one, that we also done, where he uh, commends them for the generosity that they had, or the generous spirit uh, that they had, and in chapter 2 and verse 13, he commends them that uh, they receive the word of God as truth that is coming from God. And in verse 20 that we saw last week, that they are his glory and his joy. And 3.6 that we just saw was that he, Timothy brings back the report that they are a church of faith and love. So even though they have many good qualities, uh, Paul continues to pray for them that they may increase be even better in all that they do. So that should be also our goal. Uh, we should not settle for low standards uh, when it comes to our spiritual life or when it comes to our faith. 
uh, we should have the same ambition that we have for our earthly things or our professional things or our careers uh, or education. We tend to be very ambitious. We tend to be very uh, goal-oriented. Uh, in the same way, Paul is reminding us that even in our spiritual life, uh, we should always uh, seek uh, better things. We should seek higher things. Uh, we should continue to excel. And Paul himself uh, sets an example for us. Uh, in Philippians uh, 3.12, he says, uh, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. So even uh, towards the end of his life, uh, Paul was still uh, striving uh, to do even better uh, in his spiritual life. Uh, there was never a point uh, in Paul's life where he said, uh, I have reached my goal. The only time he said he has reached his goal was uh, when before he died, he said, I have completed the race. But until that point, uh, he kept running and he kept seeking uh, higher things, more excellent things uh, in his faith. And that should be our goal. That should be our desire. That should be our prayer. So to close, uh, what can be learned from Paul's prayer life? And the question for us is, how is our prayer life? So what do you learn from Paul's prayer life? What is great or what is, what is worth following? He had a burden for others uh, to whom he has ministered that they may be growing. Yeah. And even in all the troubles and persecutions which we will certainly will face yeah. but he was uh, praying for them upholding them yeah yeah that's a good one so we see from paul's not only prayer here but also in other chapters or other epistles uh, he always had a great uh, burden for others yeah and the prayers that he prayed were always uh, focused on others and their spiritual life and not on himself, even though in this case, uh, it seems like he has a selfish reason to pray that he will reconnect. Uh, but the reason he wants to reconnect is that uh, he would be able to uh, minister to their spiritual needs. So in that sense, even that prayer request is not uh, for his needs. Uh, it's more for the needs of the church. And also with that, <coughs> Paul's prayer is a the qualities of a good church as well, right? Because a good church always should meet in person and minister the spiritual needs and pray for each other. All those things are also like a good uh, qualities are requirements for a church. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go through uh, Paul's prayers, yeah, that's something we will get that what are some qualities we should see in a believer? Uh, what are some qualities we should see in a church? Yes, that's good. Anything else uh, from chapter three, uh, how we can apply chapter three to our life? And of course, it's not easy, I would say, to pray with burden for others. So that is something that the Lord has to give in our heart. Uh, we may pray with burden for some people. We may pray with burden for people that we know. But here Paul is exhorting them that they need to grow in love, uh, not just for uh, those within the church, but he says uh, they need to grow in love for everyone. And when we grow in love like that, uh, I think that is when uh, the Great uh, Commission is also becomes a burden in our heart. Uh, we tend to be more 
gospel oriented because we love everyone, uh, not just those within the church or those that we know. Here they says prayer for the church from 11th yes. So yes. we have to also, I think, pray for the church. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the ultimate uh, quality of a church. Uh, yeah. This is the ultimate quality of a church. Yeah. What is one quality that is very important in this prayer? He speaks about holiness, right? So uh, holiness and we we directed way to you, Jesus. You, he says. So holiness should be a quality that the Lord is looking for, not only in our lives, but also when we come together as a church. The Bible says, be holy for I am holy, right? So that applies not only to us individually, but yeah. also as a church. church. And Paul's desire is that their heart should be unblameable in holiness mm -hmm. before yeah. God. Not before men, but before God. So we can be holy before men because we can fool or we can fake our righteousness or our mm -hmm. life, but we cannot fool God. We cannot yeah. fake ourselves. Timothy was encouraging their people. Yes. From six verses, it was encouraged by Timothy. Yeah. So Timothy's visit was encouraging to them. Yes. Encouraging. And in verse three, towards the end, it says, we are appointed there too. Mm -hmm. It's almost like we have an appointment with afflictions, yeah. appointment with per persecutions. Mm. That's the message that Timothy wanted to give them. Yeah. They might be going through afflictions, but that is part of God's plan. So we all have to, we'll all have our appointment with yeah. at some point. <laughs> so we should know how to respond yeah. to afflictions. And it is the word of God that will strengthen us which will encourage us during okay. those. We have to do our job uh, to encourage and, uh, the other believers. Yeah. But uh, they, they themselves, some of them may go away, mm -hmm. as it happened with uh, Paul also. We have example of Dimas, who yeah. leaves them yeah. and goes away. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Paul also... Ones about Diotrephus, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there yeah. will be people, they may have their own agenda, but Paul was really praying that they, they be established till the end of their life or till the Lord's coming. Mm. Yeah, people may not always respond or they may not necessarily follow through on the instructions that we give them or the counsel mm -hmm. that we give them. But we cannot do more than that. We cannot force uh, people to do what we want them to do. So we just kind of give them the godly counsel from the word of God. Yeah. And we pray and leave it to the Lord to work in their hearts. So, so God is the one ultimately who can change hearts, mm -hmm. who can change yeah. behaviors. And, but yeah. So we are co-laborers with the Lord. So we should never feel mm -hmm. that we're yeah. doing yeah. the work alone. We should never get discouraged because God himself is working with us so in every situation. Mm -hmm.